Oh my God! It's the holiday season. Get it. It's the holiday season. Whoop de doo and floopity flop and da 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 and sucka maka da 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 da. The balls will drop. Ah oh, yes, that That's... old <laughs> holiday family classic. Boobity dap, sucka maka, and the balls will drop. Oh, now, yeah, yeah. yours on three separate CDs for a yeah. three-time payment of nineteen ninety-nine. Three-time payment of nineteen ninety-nine. If you order now, you can get that for twenty nine. Is it a deal? Not really. We're not sure because you're still paying three times. But but we'll throw in your own to scale model of the cock and ball drop. <laughs> yeah, it was sung by Bing Crosby's uh, son. <laughs> Ling Crosby. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> they really weren't original when they came up with the name for the kid, but boy, can he sing about balls dropping. Yep. Uh, All right. Uh, here we are. <laughs> that, that was, it's been a little bit, folks. You know, my lot. voice was gone, and so we're back. This is us. We we say we're back a lot, but yeah. it's been a little hiatus. Yeah. So welcome back. Grab a, grab a little yeah. holiday cookie. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of milk. They're gluten-free. They're vegan. Don't worry. Don't it's worry. all. It's we accommodate everyone. We also have chocolate chips for the non-vegan folks because right, yeah. that's like, let's face it, delicious. Uh, and uh, have some eggnog. Yeah. Settle in and uh, while we listen to Ling Crosby, we're gonna listen to Ling Crosby <laughs> and watch these balls drop. <laughs> week off and your voice sounds like it's back my voice is back baby Whew, ready to rock and roll we can't wait we're so excited to give you some movie news some comic book movie news a little bit of trivia you know what i mean we got some tasty trailers on the way we got a jam-packed episode i think we should just dive on into that bad boy we should first, dive right let's in let's tell who, who people who we are absolutely my name is ian gabriel gonzalez mutiner 13 syllables i counted once when i was little <laughs> that's it i'm an actor in Chicago, and I talk about movies with my brother here. Why don't you tell people who you are, my friend? Yeah, I'm Ben Jenkins, and this is Too Many Flicks, man. Uh, If it's your first time listening, this is what we do. Movie news, tasty trailer, comic book movie news, streaming platforms. We talk about that. We dissect and analyze what's hot on streaming right now. We can't wait to get it out to you. Let's all jump on in. How does it sound? Let's get it. The water's fine. How does that sound? All right, let's do this. Tasty. Tasty. Trailer. Trailer. Mm, that's good. That's real good. All right, gang. We got a lot to talk about. We already said that, so I'm going to just start talking about it. <laughs> Keep up. Yes, sir. First thing we're taking a look at, it's the big one. You knew we had to talk about it. Folks, no time to die. I ain't got the time. You ain't got the time. <laughs> yeah. Turns out James ain't got the time. He ain't got the time. We're talking about 007, folks. Here we go. It's coming out or expected to come out April 8th of 2020. It is directed by Kerry Joji Fukunaga, and it's starring Daniel Craig, Anna de Armas, Leah Seydoux, Naomi Harris, and Christoph Waltz, just to name a few. You got Ray Fiennes thrown in. You got whoever the dude that plays Q is. He's cute. You know him. <laughs> the premise, if you will. Bond has left active service. His piece 
peace is short-lived when his old friend Felix Leiter from the CIA turns up asking for help, leading Bond onto the trail of a mysterious villain armed with dangerous new technology. Now, in case I didn't say, in fact, I didn't say that, so in this case, I will say it. The villain is Rami Malek. Fucking deal with it. Mr. Robot's in the movie. I mm. think he's playing Mr. Robot. It sure seems like he is. It's a crossover. We all want it. It's a little cross. <laughs> we all been asking, where's right. my Mr. Robot James Bond crossover? Yeah, where is that? Here the you go. Most ambitious crossover in game. Yep. Some would say uh, an overly ambitious crossover. Right, right. We're going to see how that plays out. Friends, we're getting a Femme 007. Ooh, that's, that's the word uh, on the street. This is supposed to be Daniel Craig's last one. We see we see a double O that he meets. She's looking pretty fucking bamf. Yeah, she looks dope as fuck. She looks like she's better at this job than uh, Craig's 007 is. To be because he's older. He's I was about older to say, now. she's fresher. She's, yeah, yeah. she's got Sorry, like, you know, that she's not all battle scarred and whatever other trauma he's he's got with his with right. his stuff. Right, right. So she's like, look, I'm the new I'm the new kid on the block. I'm, look, I'm hot. I'm fresh. You old, man. That's right. You old. You old man. Waller Bridge helped make sure that I was a fully realized character. Right. I'm here to fucking kick your ass right. and take some names. You ain't even hit this unless I let you hit this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. I'm so excited that we are getting another collaboration between Daniel Craig and Ana de Armas. Ana, I hope I'm saying your name right. I think I am. But fucking at me if I'm not. Because holy shit, y'all. Knives Out is great. But we're not talking about Knives Out. So I'm going to get back on track. I just needed to say that. Real quick. Yes. So getting back on track, mm-hmm. obviously. Something that stood out to me is I think we might be tiptoeing into a more gadgety James Bond again with that Ashton Martin yeah. reveal at the end there. It's been a long time since we had seen some, you know, those classic 60s, 70s, 80s Bond gadgets like the laser wristwatch. But we get we get machine gun turrets coming out of an Ashton Martin's headlights. Yeah. That's a little gadgety, right? That's a little, yeah, that's, a little, that's very gadgety. I was like, oh, yeah, that's my favorite oh, type of Bond. It was yeah. so sick, though, when it yeah. And then doing donuts. Yeah, yeah. They're leaning into the retro with 007 stuff. Which is good. I think it's I think you build enough in the franchise to do that that stuff is deserved. You know Absolutely. What I mean? I mean, we've lived in this realized, more grounded bond for a while now. The for the last one, give us all the bond stuff. Pull all pull out all the stops. Right, yeah. Yes. Do you think he dies in this or he walks off in the sunset? I don't I don't know if James Bond ever could walk off into the sunset. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, if he ever walks off into the sunset, you know he's going to come back because that's like the whole thing. Like eventually someone's going to approach him. This dude's going to be 90 mm-hmm. on like dialysis and someone's going to come in like, Bond, your yeah. country needs you. Right. And he's going to be like, God damn it. Uh, yeah, and like guess, pulls himself yeah, up yeah. out of the fucking bed. So I think he has to die if this truly will be Daniel Craig's last James Bond And film. that's why he introduced his true love interest. Like, you risked everything for her, Bond. Yup. Yeah, so he can finally find his true love again and then die. Yep, and you know, that's like, that's the life of, you, you get when you lead a life of violence. You got a license to kill and you use it. Eventually you gonna get killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm curious, I'm curious to see, I'm glad they're bringing Chris off Walt's back because I don't think that he got the reception that an actor of his caliber deserves with Spectre. Spectre right. was not, we all know, was a little bit of a letdown. Right, yeah. So I'm glad that he's coming back in some capacity. I'm curious what's going on with these like China doll face masks 
they got going on. Yeah, that looks interesting. There's a lot There's a lot of reveals. Like, we see Leah Seydoux's character, who is his love interest from Spectre, receive the mask with, like, half the face missing. We see, we see this mask a few times, and so mm-hmm. I think that's hinting at whatever Rami Malek is trying to do. I don't know. It stuck out to me, though, so I wanted to bring it up. Who knows what he's trying to do? I bet, I bet Rami Malek doesn't know what Rami yeah. Malek's trying to no. do. Yeah. What does Mr. Robot want? Is this more internal or is this like i'm going to destroy the world <laughs> i mean who who knows you know that's yeah. that's what's so tough with bond is that if you don't nail the villain the rest of the film's gonna fall just pretty flat yeah villains are very important absolutely and their their motivations need to be good i didn't hate quantum of solace we talked about yeah, this yeah i enjoyed it quantum of solace's villain had, like maybe it was a little convoluted but no more convoluted than some of these other bond villains but you know he was like hoarding water and oil and shit like he was gonna be yeah. a fucking millionaire. Uh, it's Le Chief, Le Chief, and he's got like the scar on his face. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's been so many years since I've seen Casino Royale. I can't remember off the top of my head exactly what he wanted, but let's see. Let's see if uh, IMDb tells us. So that that's what it is. Like, Le Chief is a terrorist, or Le Chief, Le Chief, I don't know how to say his fucking name. I'm saying Le Chief. I'm going with that. Le Chief. Uh, but he is a terrorist that knows about other terrorists. He lost a lot of money, but he has this poker tournament to recoup all that money and MI6 puts Bond there knowing that if they can beat him he will be penniless and seek asylum somewhere mm. thus they'll gain profiles on a bunch of other arms dealers etc 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 I'm pretty sure that's what it is so it's not even necessarily that the villain's motivations are global domination or anything it's just that he literally could provide the insight to thwarting a lot of other super villains yeah correct me if I'm wrong the villains haven't really been about in this iteration of Bond about global domination except for maybe Spectre. Uh, well, uh, there was a little bit of that with Quantum of Solace because he was it, gonna yeah. like hoard a bunch of like water and reserves and stuff and oh, then yeah. sort of like... Kind of control the po- the populace of the... the yeah, like and at that rate, I mean, we've known for a long time that the fresh water resources on Earth are gonna run out eventually and so right. if you have the, like one of the largest reservoirs of fresh water, you literally do sort of control life at some point. So it was more of a roundabout way of global oh, domination yeah. but like well, in a way like, yeah, yeah. it's kind of, but nothing about destroying the world just for the sake of the story. We yeah. haven't had that villain yet. Like, I'm going to destroy the world because the world needs to be destroyed. Right, exactly. And Which can be fun, though, sometimes. I always kind of... That can, it can be fun. Yeah. yeah. I like a villain like that sometimes, with a good reason. If you, they have, like, a legitimate, like, okay. If I there's a good it. reason, right. Right, yeah. But, it's, uh, it's hard to come up with a good reason <laughs> when the villain lives on the world, too. <laughs> that, you know? No, I'm like, but aren't you going to be destroying your own self? <laughs> That's always been my gripe with us. Fuck it. Right, I'm just, I don't give a fuck. Everything must be destroyed. Right. So who, who's to know what Remy Malik wants? I don't think he knows what he wants. Hopefully he does. Otherwise, it's going to be a bad movie. Yeah, and that's a real concern, actually. That's a real concern. Because I think that may have been what, what, why Spectre didn't... I did not see Spectre. Um, I've, kind of... I've tried a few times, and I've gotten through the first act. And I think I did even finish it, but I was just sort of like, I don't know. It's it's, it's a, all a haze. Yeah, yeah. I remember I remember the initial. I think it's like Dia de los Muertos scene where he's in. I, I, there's some helicopter stunt. It was cool, and then like the rest of the movie is just like. Shh. 
kind of yeah you, you know so specter is like the evil mi6 right kind of yeah they are sort of like an analog for what everyone speculates the new world order being you know like mm-hmm. they're constantly like pulling the strings behind everything and so right. their their emblem is sort of an octopus and like its tendrils are in all pockets and corners of the world again i didn't watch it it's got a pretty sick intro sequence yeah. but that's that's about all i remember like uh octopusy is he in this i don't <laughs> let's let's find out i don't think so which is the funniest villain name <laughs> for many reasons she is not in this oh sorry no it's okay octopusy was a bond girl and yeah. so that was a product of the times yes it was. i want to say it was connery <laughs> era i can't remember probably but, but it was definitely and there's definitely <laughs> many a pun because i i did watch whatever movie she appeared in and even at that age i understood i was like oh come on guys but like you know <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. james bond so yeah well you know shouldn't get a pass but, but it, it, it you yes. expect a certain thing when you go to see a james bond film yeah. especially from that era it's gotten better with daniel craig yeah kudos to the writers speaking of phoebe waller bridge is working on this the talented the virtuoso of our era i am so excited to see what the like what she brought to the table i'm glad they brought her on board because her voice is fantastic and i'm excited to see i'm excited to see her influences in the in the the bond genre see what she can bring to it yeah uh and i think since we're gonna stay in the secret agent land i think uh it'd be fitting for us to move on to our next trailer what are we looking at black widow that's right the mcu's black widow comes out may the 1st 2020 believe this is the first movie in phase four. Oh, there you go there you go all kick right. it off right all right and directing will be kate shortland and it's starring scarlett johansson florence Pugh, robert downey jr david harborough and rachel weiss it's black riddle y'all she's doing stuff between two films we already know her from civil war and infinity war and david harborough will have a russian accent and it's adorable there you go guys uh <laughs> yeah i definitely wrote that I, I was like i could take this fucking imdb one that's like one sentence long it's yeah, just like yeah. black widow's got a movie and i was like no fuck you. Nah, i'm gonna write my own goddamn synopsis and that's fine and it works out really well and uh so i don't know personally for me i think i enjoy everyone in this movie i think it looks some of the action sequences look really really cool i don't know if this trailer alone entices me to be like oh we definitely need this sure but i did thoroughly enjoy it i i don't know it's kind of weird because this is half prequel thing and it takes place between civil war and then infinity war and it's just like what is the catalyst for her to go back and how does it play into the larger mcu so i actually have in my notes i'm curious to see mm-hmm. if we see i'm curious to see if we see god damn it i'm curious <laughs> to see if they explore whatever choice solidified her decision at like the soul stone planet Ooh, you know yeah like if she if she if this in if this informs that moment between her mm. and hawkeye where she's like nah it's gonna be me fam you got right. like a like more more so than just like i know you have a family that we can bring back and so like mm-hmm. they're gonna need you when they're back i'm curious to see if we get a little bit of that yeah her family just dies yep like we're delving into her family past uh, here yeah. which is great mm-hmm. I, I i will after midsummer i will go see florence Pugh in anything you could tell me that it is a two-hour film of 
people throwing clay on the ground and Florence Pugh just rolling around in it <laughs> while speaking in gibberish. And I'd be like, yeah, you know what? She's probably a revelation. Let's do it. <laughs> so I'm excited that she's getting a little bit of action work here. She's getting a nice little blockbuster recognition. David Harbour, thank God he found another blockbuster outside of Hellboy. Oh. I was so concerned that that was just going to kill his film career because yeah. I think that he's really talented and I'm excited to see what he brings to this. But yeah, I'm curious. Here's the thing. Correct me if I'm wrong, Ben, because you are the comic book aficionado of the podcast. Oh. Marvel <laughs> yeah. has plenty of non-superhero stories that they tell. Yes? Correct, yeah. Okay, this is great because I think that they are finally, they, they have enough superhero stories under their belt that if they can just start telling non-superhero stories, like this is them this is them exploring that, testing the waters. Like, can right. we do just, just a spy thriller? Right, yeah. Yeah, and will this work out? Will this work out? Will this be popular? I personally feel like the hurdle that they need to overcome is to get away like you want you want the big set pieces you want the big blockbuster action but i think what's really going to make this movie and set it apart is going to be a really really emotional and politically driven storyline mm. a la the first james bourne film which you know is yeah. not a perfect film but in the first film we explore unsanctioned government death squads we literally it's and it sort of loosely explores the morality of all that and so i think that if they can do that if they can do something if they can so differentiate themselves from the superhero genre with this film i think that that'd be really exciting and that's going to be black widow's strong suit mm -hmm. if they can do it yeah I, I think so i think you just lean into the spy thriller a uh, spy genre um for sure kind of like the winter soldier in many ways absolutely but yeah even more so and i think that's kind of what they're doing to scale in everything back we didn't even, we didn't even see any cameo for any of the other heroes so we're just that's like true. this is natasha Roman like story this is we're gonna dive deep and this is gonna be a nice little slice of the pie and uh, it kind of made me worried though that there might be a sequel to this though and oh absolutely the yeah. the amount of stars that you have stacked into this yeah i was like uh oh is this gonna be like a two-parter i don't think we need it i just think this could be a cool self-contained story i i 100 percent agree let that character go like honestly you just kind of have to let her go because she's she's dead now and she fulfilled her contract yeah and i'm sure scarlett johansson wants to do other things you know so i mean or not maybe she renewed one, a contract that we don't know about but it I don't think we need to belabor the point too much just get in tell a beautiful story from beginning middle to end make it self-contained then get out you know absolutely um but it does make me a little worried because it almost seemed like this is a team that she's worked with before and honestly at the end of the trailer I was like I want to learn more about that team <laughs> well because her, her thing. family yeah, yeah. yeah I want a whole thing about the team um do you see any of them betraying her I think that they all betray each other at some point which is right. why the, literally the first scene where we get introduced to Florence Pugh, mm -hmm. they both have, like, are going through, first of all, an apartment that looks remarkably like the one from the first Jason Bourne movie where right, they have yeah. the whole, like, knife and pen fight, which is so fuck cool. Mm -hmm. But but they have both their guns out and, you know, like, Florence Pugh's like, I know you're out there. And she's like, she's like, yeah, I know you fucking know. Are we going to talk about this like adults? And they right. point guns at each other because they probably have betrayed each other in the past. Right, yeah. I think it's going to be sort of that Guardian of the Galaxy dynamic where they start on very tentative ground despite being family like i remember when you did this to me i remember when you did this to me right yeah and then they all sort of were like okay we found our common goal though and we need we need to do the thing to save the fucking world right. or whatever exactly all right well i look forward to it i think it's interesting that this is kicking off phase four so yeah how does this relate to the entire mcu as a whole and what was what's in this because they're doing this on purpose oh absolutely 
Absolutely. They're reestablishing the universe, um, introducing more things. So what in this is going to springboard the rest of the phase? Like, it's in- I, I guarantee no you it's something to do with multiverses or or like they, they find some sort of foreign government, probably Russia, just based man, off of, man. you know, everybody that's in the film. Everyone's talking about this Taskmaster. Do you know who the Taskmaster is? Yes. Taskmaster was the uh, villain in Civil War. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was like, yeah, if you destroyed my country, I'm going to destroy your lo- your friendship. Blah, blah, blah. Sure. So apparently a lot of people were upset with the like costuming of Taskmaster in this or something. He appears for a, a few seconds in the trailer. I didn't pick up on that or whatever, but I'm willing to bet that he's probably the main bad guy and he and whomever he associates with have found out something about the Eternals or the multiverse that we're going to be exploring with Doctor Strange, you know, some sort of uh, Tesseract MacGuffin type thing where it's like, oh, we found this new power thing. And so that's sort of why the whole Romanoff gang gets back together. Like, all right, we need to fucking do the thing. And then that sets up everything else in phase four. Taskmaster was not the main antagonist. He did fight with them. Um, Not with him, but did fight against, um, I think, Cap and Scarlet. Not Scarlet Johansson, but uh, Cap and... uh, Bucky? Bucky and also Natasha. Um, But that wasn't... He wasn't the main one. The main is uh, Helmut Zemo. um, Or Helmut Zemo, um, who was the main villain in uh, Civil War. But Taskmaster didn't make an appearance. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to to see that. I kind of got those mixed up for for like half a second. But it's hard. It's a lot of fucking movies. What are you going to do? It's a lot of comics, too. Sorry about it. Not sorry. It happens. No, okay. But anyway, yep. I, I can't wait to um, see where this goes. I, I like your theory that it could possibly even further explore this multiverse um, thing, which hopefully maybe is a way to get another Spider-Man movie. What if? Uh-oh. What if this is a fucking twist? This is, this is how I guarantee you if they do go for a sequel, this is how they get a sequel fucking out of this. What if the twist yeah, is that know. this isn't the prime Black Widow universe that we know yeah they're actually in an alternate universe where they fucking like it's all it's all matched up pretty evenly up until right about what now. if what if that's phase four it doesn't the whole phase four doesn't take place in this universe bada bing bada boom the only one that would take place in this universe that would make sense would be the doctor strange sure yeah the, the doctor strange movie which, well and eternals because they're often like well some yeah bumfuck well, egypt galaxy yeah right? that doesn't matter that that yeah yeah it takes place <laughs> place like eons before this even begins so like but the i will say the phase four proper as opposed to the flashback phase four phase four proper could take place in a different multiverse period which would also lead to spider-man um far from home when um mysterio mysterio is like you can't always trust what you see <laughs> like just here, saying folks yeah just that's, saying. that's a good theory man i like that i'm gonna keep my eyes open for that one that would make complete and total sense and that, that's how you get a sequel out of it because yeah. this is in the Black Widow that sacrificed herself for the Soul Stone. She didn't have to. Right, not at all. Jeez. That, that's my all right. That's my running theory. I'm sticking to it. Maybe. Do you think it's time to move onward? I think it's. Ooh, I like that. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and get to the next trailer. Y'all, sometimes we crush transitions, and your yeah. boy just did it. Yes. We're talking about Onward. It's that new little Pixar ditty you might have heard about. Onward is expected to drop March 6th of 2020. It is directed by Dan Scanlon, and it is starring. Tom Holland, Chris Pratt, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and Octavia Spencer. Set in a suburban fantasy world, two teenage elf brothers embark
embark on a quest to discover if there is still magic out there. Mm. Oh, man. The trailer kind of spoiled that for us because there is. Yeah, it is magic, folks. <laughs> There's magic, and their accountant dad used to do it, and he right. gives them a staff, and they try to bring him back, but Tom Holland biffs it and only brings back his legs, which is a little creepy, a little you gotta creepy. admit. It's also a little selfish of the dad. Be like, bring me back, boy. A little <laughs> so- I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> But what if it's like he wants to meet him, you know? Oh, that's true. Because there's a reason Julie Louis-Dreyfus plays the mom and she makes it. She makes a point of being like, your dad said to give you this mysterious wrapped package Mm -hmm. when you were both over 16. And like gives him some magic staff. And the magic staff means that he was a wizard. What if he's not a wizard? I don't know. It's too early to spitball on this. What if he's also a bad guy? And this is a commentary on just like bad dads. What if he's also a bad guy? Oh, that could be interesting. Pixar would do some shit like that. They just will. Absolutely. Absolutely. They just, yeah. Absolutely. They bring back his legs. His legs seem very nice. They tap Tom Holland's shoe, and it's kind of sweet. Yep. Like, he taps his foot, and that, he's like, oh, hi, Dad. That would totally make sense. That's, it, that, it, that dude's, an, the dude's evil. I, it, 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 that's not his dad. Bad dad. It's bad dad. Oh. That's not his dad at all. Sure. That's, sure. Yeah. Okay. Because, like, that, cause, okay, so I'm, I'm about to dirt it out. Resurrection spells in any fantasy is extraordinarily difficult sure to make to do and there's always 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 a consequence and some sort of there's, like black magic or something yeah like yeah it's very rarely yeah. them just being like oh yeah your dad wants you to resurrect with this simple spell like i'm like well what's the catch sure sure i don't know i, I could just be too sick and cynical but if you're gonna no. throw, i don't even i don't care if it's a, it's a kid's movie if you're gonna throw a resurrection spell in there there has to be some fucking consequences that's like you gotta be level 40 or some shit but, <laughs> you know what i mean and your <laughs> cat's gotta be like level right. 50 you're trying to bring back a nigga from the dead come on man come, i need him to sacrifice his brother or something like come on there's blood gotta be blood maybe there's a, this tiny like fucking inscription or somewhere like maybe they didn't see the fine print where he's like you have to sacrifice something sure. to get the full body you know what i mean like come on don't give I mean, me this shit that's part D&D. of why I'm, I'm gonna go i'm gonna go off on a slight tangent that's part of why i we i liked the resurrection magic of carnival so much that yeah. H, that old hbo diddy from yeah. the early 2000s was that mm-hmm. if ben wanted to give life to something he had to take life from something else that i mean that makes sense just don't i you yeah. just can't throw a resurrection spell and it i i it bothers me just a little bit but it's also you know i'm sure they have a reason for it i i trust i trust the team behind this they're smart i trust them and you know i think i think that it's uh you can't ask for a better team to deal with daddy son dynamics and the team that literally right. did coco oh man I, that's my favorite that's my favorite movie musical from them period. i think yeah no period uh, yep it's beautiful i ain't gonna fight you on that one um it's so good it's really i can't, I can't <laughs> it's so good i can't watch it anymore it just made me it made me cry and i had to turn it off and oh just like yeah sit in silence yeah when the when the abuela yeah. hears his song uh, again oh this ah, uh, we're off topic we are off topic, off topic yeah, yeah. But, but it's so good okay also I'm going to say this mm, off topic. Mm, we'll mm, get back on. Get it's it, yep. still somewhat uh, involving. Toe the line. Toe the line. Yeah, Give it still, to me. Yeah, still involving fantasy. In D&D, is there a resurrection spell? And and at what level do you need to be? And how hard is it to, to get? Do you know this off the top of the dome? I don't know if off you do. Off the top of the dome, no. Right. That doesn't mean that there's not resurrection magic. I do know that if there there's a cleric cantrip that's 
pretty fucking OP, mm-hmm. where if a creature's hit points hit zero, you can use spare the dying, right. but it has to be like a fresh thing where you essentially uh, touch yeah. them and you sort of make sure you, you spare them, they don't die. Right. And it's a fucking cantrip, which is super OP. Sorry, folks, cantrips, if you don't play D&D, are essentially spells that cost you nothing. You just right. sort of fucking do it. Right, yeah. I'm sure there's resurrection magic. I'm also sure that you need to be an insanely high level, and it's pro- it probably does require some dark ritualistic stuff necromancy is is a part of D&D but right. from what i understand cuz i've not played any sort of necromancer or anything from what i understand they don't come like back back oh so it's still something and if there is a spell that they come back back that must be extraordinarily difficult right you got to be like level 20 or something yeah 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 okay well um with that side now let's get back onto the fantasy of onward onward <laughs> yeah I, I i can't wait to see this i think i need another trailer really to to real real me in but i, I sure yeah i, I do enjoy this team and i think it's gonna be really cool the team is good tom holland's hot 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 right. he is the biggest commodity i'm glad that he's stepping outside of the marvel world even if it is still underneath the disney umbrella i didn't hear a lot about the current war mm. which he was a part of if i'm not mistaken oh, yeah. that whole thomas edison yeah Nikola i Tesla heard it wasn't thing. that great right yeah they rewrite I, heard, it and stuff. I heard mixed things yeah, yeah. but i'm glad that he's getting work i'm glad julia louis dreyfus is in something because i've missed her since veep yeah. ended in rap yeah this oh is- we got we got wait to see but we finally found out what the quest was we see a little bit more of the world it's cute there there's like a a a fey biker gang that chases them there's you know rabid unicorns there's an indiana jones temple of doom it's gonna it's gonna have it all and we're gonna keep we're gonna watch it this is pixar right or is it yes i'm pretty sure this isn't a musical so frozen 2 is this big musical they're also souls coming out as well i don't know if that's supposed to be that's not soul has to be a musical it all revolves around him being a jazz pianist but I don't think it is. I think it's by the same people who made uh what's the fuck inside out and that was it is mm-hmm. and so onward is not a musical either i i don't like this <laughs> no i'm teasing it's fine they don't need they don't need to have a musical they already did frozen 2 which i hear good things also hear some okay things. it is a fine movie okay. it's a fine movie with some really bumbling attempts to address colonialism oh. and reparations and i have some thoughts about it oh i may be working on a short essay i don't know oh all right well let's uh move on let's be on the run with our next uh (laughs) with our next transition here uh spongebob movie sponge on the run comes out may the 22nd of 2020 didn't i just nope yep this is me okay and it's directed by actually i'm gonna take that back because for a second there i thought i didn't sure clap and our next movie is the SpongeBob movie Sponge on the Run. That's right. It comes out May the 22nd uh, of 2020. And it's directed by Tim Hill. And it's starring Aquafina, Clancy Brown, Keanu Reeves, Tom Kenny, Bill Fagerbaki. Uh, and let me give you the description. After SpongeBob's beloved pet snail Gary is say it is snail napped he and patrick embark on an epic adventure to the lost city of atlantic city to bring gary home this movie actually looks like a lot of fun i'm not gonna fucking lie to you yeah it's cute and they know what it is it's a spongebob movie (laughs) y'all i'm sure it's gonna be trippy and wild and you might want to smoke a doobie before watching it i'm sure it'll help i'm sure (laughs) i'm sure it'll help you know i mean like uh some of the jokes did not land for me though it's you know i'm gonna catch a little heat for this spongebob has never been my jam that's fine. If the first I, three I've, seasons are good i i have revisited some of the old
older episodes when I was older, and I was like, yeah, okay, I get it. When I was younger, I hated it. He was annoying. I was like, chill yeah, out. Yeah, that voice is... Chill, chill. As legendary as Tom Kenny is, that SpongeBob voice can be a little shrill and be like, oh, mm, okay. And I think that's what it was for me when I was yeah, younger. Yeah, yeah. As an adult, I'm used to hearing shrill things by now. Right, I yeah. am desensitized to it. So, you know, I was able to revisit it, and I, you know, you know what really actually endeared me to SpongeBob mm. was this meme I saw where it was like, it was like who I identified with when I was younger and it's SpongeBob and it was like who I identify with as I'm older and it was Squidward. Oh, yeah. And I was like, all right, I'll give this another shot. And right. I was like, oh, poor Squidward. You just want to be an adult and play your jazz flute. <laughs> I know. Or like whatever it is, your bassoon or piccolo or whatever. And yeah, there's little Sponge. There's just some... keep fucking it up. SpongeBob was never like my favorite, but there are some, some like a handful of episodes that are just really, really good. I mean, there it's and smart. It is a smart, smart. show. Um, this comedy didn't seem so smart. I'm like, is this by the same people? It has been going on for too long. Well, and so here's here's the thing. In my in my personal opinion, I think this is Nickelodeon just trying to get their foot in the door. It's been a hot minute since they were dropping bangers at the cinema. We got Dora the Explorer, mm-hmm. and that was apparently fun. Yeah. I, I I there's a great person on YouTube. Uh, he has this channel called Let Me Explain that you should check out, and he did sort of a dissection of it. And he was like, he's like, listen, if you go in expecting the best action adventure movie ever you're gonna be disappointed that being said it is way better than just a kids movie Mm -hmm. so apparently dory the explorer is not bad but it's been a hot minute since nickelodeon was truly doing anything of tremendous blockbuster cinema theatrical release type stuff and i think this is them just throwing a bankable name out there yeah spongebob people love spongebob the memes are still hot just make a fucking movie you put keanu reeves who's at the uh, renaissance like of his career right now a second one uh so it's um, it's bound to be fun i just i'm I'm just a little disappointed in in the writing in the trailer i'm like oh this is not as clever as i know spongebob to be you know what i mean like absolutely absolutely i do expect more from spongebob SpongeBob, because SpongeBob can be pretty, pretty fucking fire. Some of those jokes just fucking slap. So I'm, I'm gonna say this: mm-hmm. the two head screenplay writers, Jonathan Abel and Glenn Berger, both worked on Kung Fu Panda. Oh, okay. Good film. Good film. Good DreamWorks yeah. film. Surprised the hell out of me. Yeah. That being said, they also wrote Trolls and Trolls Trolls World Tour. Okay. Well, you know. They so can't you know, all you be take bangers. the good with the bad. Yeah. They can't all be bangers. You're an artist. You're turning out work. Some. Sometimes you write Trolls World Tour. Here's a little tidbit. Writers don't see their loved ones a lot of the time. They are hyped on caffeine and cocaine. And they probably crank that bad boy out at 1 p.m. <laughs> 1 a.m. in the morning. It was just like, fuck it, we got a deadline. Here is Trolls. Here's Trolls. Trolls. And now there are rock and roll trolls. And the rock and roll trolls, it's the world tour. Right. After doing a bump. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, this fucking, and they play rock and roll. They play. Do they play? Okay, yeah, write it down, dude. Write it. Let's <laughs> write it down. Uh, so yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's great to hear the legendary voices back again. I love the animation. It's fun. I, I yeah, it's, it's really like cool. this nice. Yeah. It looks like claymation, but it's definitely computer. It's yeah. interesting. I I would not be surprised if the next if they do have another SpongeBob movie to drop on Netflix because of the sure yeah no yeah, yeah. the hair the Hey Arnold movie the the Jungle movie is actually on Netflix now and you're already starting to see like seeds of ne- of Nickelodeon coming to Netflix and that merger finally 
happening. So I'm sorry. Did we already get a SpongeBob movie in 2015? We've had two. This is the third one. <laughs> what? Yeah, dude. This is the third SpongeBob. <laughs> you, <laughs> this is the trilogy, dog. This might even be the fourth for all I fucking know. I don't know. What? Yeah. Sponge out of water. Uh-huh. When a diabolical pirate above the sea steals the secret Krabby Patty formula, SpongeBob and his nemesis Plankton must team up in order to get it back. Yep. There's there's been two there's been there's been three movies. There's been the SpongeBob <sighs> movie, which was I think all 2D. There was Sponge Out of Water when they went to this 3D realm, and now they're back to 3D slash 2D in uh, this next SpongeBob movie. So yeah. Because I knew about the 2003 SpongeBob film. Right, yeah. I yeah. knew about that. Right. I just thought that they were finally bringing it back i thought they took like nearly a holy shit yeah apparently the david hasselhoff well no david hasselhoff was in the first he's one. in the first one the 2003 right. one i think whatever. he might even be in the second one <laughs> sure <laughs> Of course he is. Yeah, of course. Man, those are some... Yeah, yeah. So, we, all right. We'll just have to see it. Oh, Again, man. be inebriated might help. Going to help. Yeah, Going to yeah, help. Because yeah. there's some crazy cats. There's some crazy cats. And as I spiral from one existential crisis to another, folks, we arrive at the trailer for Cats. Cats yep. is definitively dropping December 20th of 2019. It is directed by Tom Hooper, and it is starring Idris Alba, Dame Judi Dench, Sir Ian McKellen, Francesca Hayward, Jennifer Hudson, and Taylor, I suppose I must say it's Swift. Sorry if y'all like Taylor Swift. We have some strong opinions. Yep. Y'all, it's fucking cats. You can try to make heads or tails of this story, but the source material is some non-Euclidean-shaped existential head trip that defies explanation. All you need to know is jellicles. <laughs> That's your premise, folks. All right. That is the premise. Well, uh, uh, yep. I mean, it's cats, man. What do you want to do? I don't know what you want from us. <laughs> <laughs> it's cats in case you didn't know it we already did a trailer breakdown when the first cast trailer dropped where yeah. i stayed up till way too late compiling clips from youtube to watch the original west end staged cats version i think it's the 1998 movie i may or may not have inadvertently fallen in love it's actually pretty good y'all it's pretty good it's only five minutes of plot and it's a two-hour show but it's it's, it's pretty good <laughs> The premise is that there's this older cat named Deuteronomy, and once a year, the cat's gonna be reborn and have their soul, like, reinvigorated or whatever, and so they, like, have, like, a jellical ball, and they're all doing dances, and there are thief cats, and there are, there's a sexy cat, and then there's, like, a cat orgy, and it all is told through the lens of this new, very, very pure, uh, I think her name's Victoria, she's a little nice cat, and there's this, there's this cat played by Jennifer Hudson, Holy shit, where was Jennifer Hudson in this fucking trailer? Why did I have to watch James Corden ad-lib some bullshit lines that aren't part of the movie? Yeah, that's pretty... When you have Jennifer Hudson you, in the wings! You gotta show that song again, right? This did nothing for me. They showed more Itch's elbow, but I'm like, yeah, I, I don't need to see him. And even <laughs> his character is sort of fleshed out. Like, he's just yeah. sort of like... I mean, that's cool. G you can give me all the Itch's. That's right, fine. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but that's not a... Uh, I mean, I guess that could be a selling point. But Jennifer Hudson plays Grisabella. So good. Yeah, no. Can't wait to fucking see her. You got a butt. 
Hit me with that butt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to play memories. You got to. Or at least give us them saying Angelical Cats, which is probably, honestly, for some reason, a lot of movie musicals don't like to give those big choiry songs. Um, they did it with Sweeney Todd. They didn't do the Ballad of Sweeney Todd. Let me tell you this right now. I'm going to move mm-hmm. my mic close. Tim Burton's Sweeney Todd is a travesty and should never have been made. It is terrible. And if you don't like that, fuck you. But also, we love you and you can have a <laughs> difference of opinion. Listening. Thank you for listening. We have a Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> but I do not enjoy that movie. How do you get rid of the Ballad of Sweeney Todd? Granted, this is a different director, so we don't know, but I, I see them completely getting rid of the Jellicle, Jellicle song cat. Um, Jellicle Cat's song. And well, just that's what's playing over the whole trailer. I could see it. I could, I could, I could see it. I could see it as an underscore, but I can see them getting rid of the song. I don't think it will. I could. I, I, I would not be surprised if they got rid of it. How are people supposed to know who the Jellicles are, Ben? I don't know. They probably just will speak. They'll probably speak it. These oh, that makes jellicles. me. This makes me so. I there is an inexplicable like fire right. bubbling I, up probably from wrong. the core of my being. You're not wrong is the thing. I am so concerned <laughs> right. for this movie. I should not care this much about an Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. How how many how many hours is this musical? About two and a half, three? I want to say it's a little over two. So the Cats movie musical is two hours. What did you find out? <sighs> Andrew Lloyd Webber has written new songs exclusively for the movie. That's uh that's That's not cats! It, it's time to get out your little pickaxe and break open the panic button. <laughs> you you shatter that glass, you get the button out, and you press it because this is fucking terrifying. So are these, uh, these are probably songs that he just thought weren't great enough and was like, I'm going to leave this out because the show's already too long. And now he's putting them back he's in. He's putting them back in. What? No. Don't do this. You, oh, my God. You know oh what no. happened the last time Andrew Lloyd Webber was allowed to contribute heavily to a film ad? Adaptation of his musical. Uh oh, when was that? We got Phantom of the Opera with Gerard Butler. Oh no, I do enjoy that movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Angela Weber does like it's a shitty musical but I enjoy the fuck out of it um I don't, dude I don't know this make this is really making my brain hurt I just don't understand why why would you do that it's probably gonna sound really popping and gross and I'm sure Taylor Swift has a whole new song Jason Derulo probably has a an entirely new song alright so here's the thing Jason Derulo is playing Rum Tum Tugger which fuck you yeah. cause so far all he does is it's just like scream. He didn't even yeah. speak. He doesn't even speak. Milk. <laughs> I'm pretty sure yeah. he exclaims milk at one yeah, point. Like, oh, dude. Rum Tum Tugger's the sexy cat. Rum Tum Tugger's the cat who fucks. All right, okay. like he has an entire song where he's literally just like, I don't want to eat if I don't want to eat, and he's like doing these little like slinky things, and all these See, other cats are like fawning this, around. This yeah. makes me nervous because the also the rating is PG, so not, they're not gonna get into the nitty gritty of what make cats cats. Y'all, cats is sexual. Yeah, that's like the whole I, point I, of cats. I don't swing that way, but a lot of people found a lot of stuffs out about themselves watching <laughs> cats. 
Go watch the stage version and tell me that I'm wrong. Right. Yeah. How are you gonna make that PG? Yeah. It's yeah. I don't. I, yeah. I don't understand. How do you make a PG? It's a lot of mature elements. Literally. There's a cat orgy. Yeah, and one of the cats is a former prostitute. Yeah. That's the whole. That's the whole so, premise of Grisabella. So if you are a cats fan, just know um, that this is not gonna be the same movie or the same show that you remember seeing when you were a kid or an adult or whatever. This is gonna be something different it is it's just it just is what's that i am all up in this imdb trivia of this movie oh no according to taylor swift whatever the cast attended cat school (laughs) in preparation for this movie what does that mean (laughs) i want to go there what does it mean Oh, what is cat school? I just, I don't, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Ian, are you, are you, are you gonna see this movie? I feel like there is an emotional part of me that is obligated. To. I feel like that this movie is gonna make a lot of money based off a of pure curiosity. The first weekend is probably gonna drop oh, off fifty sure. percent the next weekend, but the first weekend people are like, "What is this? Do I what? I have to see it." Here's twenty dollars. I will watch this because I. I don't know. They went to cat school. <laughs> you have to give them your money. I have to at least acknowledge, hey, you didn't go to cat school for nothing. <laughs> I get, don't let this bomb, because you never know. There might be a sequel. I'm sure oh, Andrew Lloyd Webber has a lot more music to make their cats <laughs> oh, no. Cats the B-sides. No. <laughs> With that being said, that terrifying bit of information, let's uh, go into our next segment. How does that sound? Let's do it before I fall completely apart. Oh, God. All right. Our first topic in Flix News is from Deadline, and it states that Susanna Fogel is tapped by the studio behind the farewell and a beautiful day in the neighborhood to direct Winner, the biopic of real-life American intelligence officer Reality Lay Winner. She released classified documents to the media that outlined the extent of Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election, and she's in jail to this day. It is a national tragedy. I hadn't heard about it until just right now. I was today years old. <laughs> so that's a problem, and I, I like to think I'm pretty in the know-how with the news and everything, but I imagine they don't want you to know about this. Um, this... this potentially is a very risky move for the studio to do um especially with all this stuff out uh yeah this is ballsy and i love it (laughs) and i can't wait for this and Susanna seems like she's more than capable of pulling off a feat such as this with really great um things in her um portfolio already uh great movies so yeah i I think this is the right person to tap this is a great story it needs to be told especially right now with um, a con artist a fraud um in the white house now mm-hmm. um who hopefully will be impeached it won't happen <laughs> that's, that's, oh, that's hilarious wouldn't that be nice oh that would be nice yeah the senate is definitely not going to impeach him but anyway <laughs> yeah yeah well ian your thoughts on this uh i think this is really really exciting as you said this is a story that definitely needs to be told i think Susanna fogel is a great person to helm this she's a credited co-writer on book smart which mm. was really really smart and solly and sa- solly solid and sad 
Gavi. Goodness gracious. She also wrote and directed The Spy Who Dumped Me. Ooh. Which, you know, while not the pinnacle of political discourse, was, from all accounts, at least a fun movie. So I'm excited to see what she does with this story. This young this young woman, Reality Lay winner, did something incredibly courageous. It really falls on The Intercept, the media outlet that she leaked these NSA files to. It falls on them for the injustice that she is suffering at the moment. She was convicted to the longest sentence ever Jeez. for violating the Espionage Act. It's five years and some months, five years and three months in a FBI-run prison. Supposedly, it's going to be in Fort Worth, Texas. It's actually a medical center where she is being treated for an ED, and she is apparently allowed access to her family, so at least that's good. What she did, though, was a patriotic act. Right. She should not face any imprisonment I'm for that. I'm surprised they didn't try to get her for treason. <laughs> So apparently the, yeah. the the prosecutors knew that they didn't have a whole lot of ground to stand on outside of the Espionage Act, which apparently covers leaking any sort of classified intelligence to any sort of media outlet, which she blatantly did, but in an act of patriotism. This was a young woman that served, I think, if, if my memory is serving correctly, nearly six years in the United States Air Force. She served her time, she served her country, and then she became an independent contractor for the NSA because she was fluent in Farsi, she was fluent in a lot of stuff. She is credited for aiding in the capture of 600 known terrorists for identifying 900 high-value targets. And this woman is currently sitting in prison because she saw a foreign power interfering in our presidential election and decided to make that information known to our public. Fucking so, hero. A fucking hero. And I cannot wait for this movie to come out. I cannot wait to hear her story. And just, Susanna Fogel, take the wheel. I want to. I, I, I trust you and I, I want this film to come to fruition because I think that it's something... A story that we desperately need told right now. Def desperately need told um, because we have a lot of crooks in in the uh, Washington period, be Jesus it Christ. Republican and Democrat, who don't have our best interest um, at hand because they're quote unquote not even quote unquote just pure capitalist and yeah, the capitalist yeah, the way it doesn't work for you. <laughs> it works for the money and the lobbyist, and mm -hmm. they don't care. Um, and they don't really care that Russia interfered. And she did a courageous act. Uh, and it's obvious because if they did care, she wouldn't be in jail. Uh, <laughs> Amen. But uh, let's move on to our next topic here. Anyone you betcha, folks. We're moving right along. We're taking a look at the rumor that there is a new Planet of the Apes film in development between Fox and Disney. They are currently looking at director Wes Ball, who directed the Maze Runner films. This is reported by Brian Welk at The Wrap. This is interesting. There's not a whole lot of details known right now. They're not sure if it's a continuation of the trilogy that we just wrapped with with War of Planet of the Apes mm -hmm. or if this is going to be a reboot or if it's going to be a self-contained story but th this is not surprising to me this was probably Fox's one of their bigger money draws and so Disney's like well let's keep that ball rolling right um they, this franchise is really good. I enjoy the Planet of the Apes movies. I also do enjoy this director. The Maze Runner series is not bad. It's a hell of a lot better than I thought it would be. Um, the first and the third one were great. The second one, not so much. Um, yeah, no, this surprisingly handles the source material of the Maze Runner really well and creates this really awesome, captivating story that had me hooked from beginning to end. Um, so, yeah, I would be interested to see his take on Planet of the Apes. I, I don't think we need to reboot it. I think 
think would be it may be a soft reboot sure and kind of move forward because you know i don't know if people are really jonesing for another new a planet of the apes and i don't think we want to start over so i think the best thing is to pick up the pieces and just move forward do like a little self-contained thing its yeah, own yeah, story. yeah 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 absolutely yeah because i don't it's way too soon for a reboot yeah That'd absolutely be... that don't do that yeah you literally be playing into every single internet critic that's like jesus christ i'm so tired of the reboots and the sequels mm-hmm. so that would that would be foolish yeah 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 um but since we don't know that much about it all we can do is speculate and uh, maybe this will come to fruition uh we'll see it's in potentially in pre-production so oh, we just have to put our ear to the ground and get that information out to you as soon as possible so let's move on to our next topic um dorothy catherine dc fontana the first female writer for star trek passed on monday Monday, uh, December the 3rd, and she's credited with some of the most humanizing episodes of TOS, uh, the original series. She pioneered the sci-fi television genre for uh, women folk, uh, femme folk, um, earning Hugo nominations for her work and writing one of the first episodes that examined the crew of the Enterprise as people instead of just their jobs. Um, as a Star Trek fan, a Trekkie, uh, and as just as a human being, um, this breaks our hearts here at Too Many Flicks. We can only put our thoughts and positive energy to our friends and family. And um, yeah, she was a trailblazer. And without her, we wouldn't have this awesome franchise that is Star Trek, period. Um, at least some of the best episodes. And she will be greatly missed. Um, she put her, her time and she put her uh, thumbprint of history in the sci-fi genre. And, you know, a hole will definitely be there. But uh, we can all fill it with love. Uh, Ian, any thoughts here for uh, Dorothy Catherine? I think you said it beautifully. I don't know if we'll ever understand the extent to which she helped shape the genre, just in the obvious sense of her being literally one of the first female action-adventure television writers, but also in the sense that she took what was, or what could easily have just been a very stoic, I am the captain, I am the science engineer, I am this, and was like, what if we made them humans, though? Mm -hmm. And so for as influential as the original series is, a lot of that influence is built on the foundation that she laid and i think that this is a loss that a lot of sci-fi fans a lot of action adventure fans a lot of people who are fans of good writing will feel and as you said i think the best thing that we can do is just fill that hurt with love and keep looking forward and keep making her proud all right there you go with that info let's go on to our next segment how's that sound let's do it this just in extra extra read all about it all right, gang, kicking off the first topic and first issue, Avengers Endgame has been announced on the shortlist for Oscar's Best Visual Effects category. We're going to find out the actual answer. I believe it's uh, January 13th. Hmm. It's one of the Januaries with three, but they have a list of 20 films. It's on the shortlist, and they're going to whittle that list down to 10. I would be surprised if it's not on there. That whole final fight scene is pretty visual effects heavy Mm -hmm. that being said it it is up against some big contenders yeah i see that this would be like a consolation prize if they won if it does get the nomination because i don't think endgame i'm sorry guys even though it was my favorite movie of the year (laughs) i highly doubt that the academy is going to be like oh yeah best picture it it should get nominated just because it broke the worldwide worldwide record um of box office sales Mm -hmm. but I mean, that does not make, uh, that does not an Oscar make. (laughs) 
So. It's true. Well, and with with that, that raises a good point. But with that is the double-edged sword that we so often feel at the Grammys, mm-hmm. where we feel an artist gets overlooked because their artistry didn't compare with the most bankable mm-hmm. musician. We're like, oh, really? They won? Right. Well, they sold 200 billion copies. Like, oh, well, yeah, but... this person actually, like, Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly is an actual fucking masterpiece, right, though. Yeah. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So there, there's that there's that double-edged sword. Right. That being said, it, it it is you couldn't there are many people that I actually am sure are making strong cases for why it could be on the best picture list. Because it had so much weight. It's not just that movie, it's the movies before that movie that culminate into that one massive piece of you know what I mean? Like Absolutely, but I think that a, raises the question with something like that, it is tough to me because I, I totally see where you're coming from, where it's ten years worth of storytelling culminating in this thing but the category is best picture like that's standalone that's story I, I, it's a great standalone story if, it is. if perhaps the because there's some really good movies coming out this year if perhaps the nomination or the movies this year weren't so great i could see it getting it should get a nomination it absolutely 100 should because it's a fantastic movie personally it's my personal opinion but I, i'd like to think that it's it has a lot of gravitas to it it's a lot of great performances the cgi is on point the music slaps uh you know it there's so many it's a roller coaster of emotions i mean it is cinema so so <laughs> i'm looking i'm looking at this short list right. for best special effects considerations okay so some of these are gonna go i can tell you what's getting out of here right now men in black international no oh, yeah no that's goodbye bye jumanji the next level uh-uh no sorry what yeah fast and furious hobbs and shaw sorry no, folks on, not stop, today stop not that. today satan stop that terminator dark fate well, i haven't I seen it so, so. I, i've yeah. i've heard not great things really yeah i heard it's pretty good okay well and we got to find out together yeah we do we, we do we really do that being said all right here, here here's i think it'll be easier for me to say what i think will be on the short list i do think avengers endgame will be on there purely okay. because of the scope the intricacy and all the how heavily the storytelling relied mm-hmm. on their visual effects i definitely think gemini man will be on there oh for sure with all yeah anytime someone pioneers some new type of uh cgi technology or some other it ends up on an oscar list somewhere yeah without a shadow of a doubt ford v ferrari ford v fieri Fieri. Fieri. flavor town no ford v ferrari maybe i don't really know how much of it is practical how much of it is cgi i i that 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 probably that probably be it that see it seems like an oscar film in one in some regard or another yeah 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 yeah. absolutely 1917 definitely midway nah nah the irishman that CGI looks wonky to me. <laughs> Have you watched it yet? I haven't seen it yet, but I just, I've seen trailers and I'm like, I don't know. I'm intrigued. I hear from a few Twitter users that young Robert De Niro is daddy and he can get it. Oh, okay. So I don't know. You, it's weird because you can also watch young Robert De Niro in Raging <laughs> Bull or something and understand exactly. Right, right. But... But I have a few Twitter people that I follow that really like oh, the Irishman. Get it. Yeah, watch a movie of <laughs> But they want to watch him take down Jimmy Hoffa. Okay, cool. But, yeah, uh, Cats probably just because they fucking yes. love their stage musical bullshit. Okay, so how many How many of that is like five? I think they get ten. I don't remember how many I said. Okay. I, I think Lion I, King. Definitely Lion King. Ooh, yeah. Even if, even if it's not yeah. everybody's favorite rendition of Lion King. They, yeah, yeah, that is going to be kind of hard. 
hard to beat Lion King. Absolutely. I think in game I think in game is definitely in the top three of what we just mentioned. Ford v Ferrari, um, Lion King, and I would say I would say nineteen seventeen. I would nineteen seventeen. I would knock off Ford v Ferrari yeah. for nineteen seventeen. Like Yeah, that. for sure. Nineteen seventeen wouldn't surprise me if they like swept a lot of this shit to be I'm super stoked. I when I went to go see Knives Out with my mom mm-hmm. on Thanksgiving, they had a bunch of shitty trailers before it, and I was like, Oh man, she's seen all these shitty trailers and she thought a few of them were cute and i was like yeah they're cute but they're right. not good and then 1917 started and i like grabbed her hand and i was like watch this one this oh. one this is the trailer that's, that's the that's the one baby that's the one that's the one baby but yeah so that's that's sort of all that i really had for that tip it was that avengers endgame is in contention for a, a, a at least the best visual effects oscar and it's well deserved yeah all right well there you go let's move on to our next topic here um i am db this is this is the uh they the, have a segment called IMD Brief. It's really cute because, oh, okay. you know, the B starts with IMD hey. Brief. And then, like, debrief, like, you, like, break something down for something. It's cute. Hey, IMD Brief. Speculates that the future of the DCEU will be in rated R content. I don't like that. But it does, if they were to go that route, it does definitely set them apart from the MCU. Sure. It's a lot of stuff that you can do. I think they should just have a split between the DCEU and the solo movies. So just diverge them. The solo movies can be rated R. The DCEU needs to be PG-13 to PG because I think it's just more palatable. There's so many more cool stories that I think don't necessarily need a mature rating for them to be told. I mean, Shazam doesn't need to be rated R. (laughs) Oh, sure. Like, why the fuck? Green Lantern doesn't need to be rated R. Um, Batman could be rated R. Well, and that's sort of where this individual was heading with their their theory was they were looking at Birds of Prey, Mm -hmm. they were looking at the success of the Joker, and they were speculating if DCU is going to go this route, Batman would fit very well into a rated R sort of context, just Mm. with all of the gang activity, the, you know, violent crimes, the very, very dark backstories for all of their villains and for the hero himself. And so that was sort of this speculation. I I, I do agree that I don't think every story needs to be rated R, but I think the argument that was being made Mm. was... They may find their foothold in this cinematic universe war in that sort of rated R pocket. They can deliver something that Marvel can't with not all of their titles, but a lot of their titles enough to distinguish themselves. As you said, it would be a distinguishing factor from a lot of Marvel stuff. (laughs) Ben Sink has a lot of feelings about this. But it would be that distinguishing factor enough for them to sort of sort of gain like a little more traction. Shazam did a great start. Aquaman did a great start. It's not my favorite superhero mm. film, but it's it's fine. It's, Aquaman, it's okay. It's a ride. Yeah. You know, it took us only like five years to see it, but you know, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I yeah, Aquaman is just it's like slightly better than Batman versus Superman, honestly. It's like not it's, a high bar. It's good. I didn't I didn't want to throw up in my mouth, but it <laughs> but also Ben? Yeah. Not a high bar. Right, yeah. So it was like it was it was very visually stunning, I would say that. Oh, and, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. There were a lot of cool scenes in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so the cream of the crop though is Wonder Woman and Shazam. Yep, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. So and the Joker apparently, but that's not the DCEU. I I'm so con- I don't I need for them to get their Kevin Feige and for that motherfucker he he or she or they to come out and be like this is the plan and we're gonna stick to this motherfucker because I don't know what's going on in this bitch 
They, they <laughs> no don't idea. know either. It's too many cooks in the kitchen. No idea. I don't. Someone's know over here fuck. making like a spinach cream reduction, and someone's right. over here like, I need a creme brulee. Right. Yeah. And that creme brulee is just flat, and that spinach cream reduction is delicious because everyone's eating it. Yep. But we don't know if they go together. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's weird. And then this Black Adam shit. Like, is it a part of the Shazam universe? Is it die? Black Adam. Adam is an antihero, but you're saying that he's a complete hero. I'm so confused. Yep. Um. They are too. They. They. I don't know what the fuck they're going on. They they do understand their TV universe, which isn't for everyone. Some people say it's too hokey. I think the TV universe, the Arrowverse, has too many episodes in any of those shows. There's no reason these shows need to be 20 plus episodes. And it's network TV, Ooh. I understand, but that's a lot because it's a lot of filler. And I'm just like, I don't fucking care. Yeah. I don't care about Gorilla Zod. I don't care about him at all. And plus, the CGI looks terrible. I'm sorry, I'm going in a, a different. <laughs> You're good. Go off. Black. Black Lightning, though, if you guys please watch that show. That show is actually really fucking good. Um, it's solid, and they do go there. They go there. Some of it can get a little hokey, but it is the more, the more grounded, and it's also a black family loving each other and being superheroes. So when you ever get a chance, um, watch that. But yeah, so as far as the DCU being rated our content, whatever. <laughs> so that, <laughs> so uh, let's go on to our next segment. How's that sound? Let's do it. And now for another installment of Stream Theater. All right, friends, just a quick programming note before we settle into stream theory. We did have some slight technical difficulties, and so this segment is being recorded at a different time from our initial recording session. So if you hear just a slight difference in audio, it's because it's being recorded in a separate room. And even though Matt, whom we love, is a magician, an absolute wizard with audio engineering, he cannot change the physics that govern our universe. And so without further ado, my friends, I ask you to settle in to our respective armchairs. Please try some of the complimentary carpaccio. Perhaps you'd like some burrata if you are a vegetarian. If you are vegan, we have wheat thins. And let us once again revisit stream theory. Today, my friends, we are talking about that little ditty onyx. You may have heard of it. It's called Living With Yourself. Now, Living With Yourself, for who do not know, is a Netflix original television series starring Paul Rudd. And we all know that Paul Rudd is an absolute delight. He is an American treasure. He will probably be the next Tom Hanks as Tanks slowly ages up into Mr. Rogers' territory in terms of years. But I feel like this particular show falls flat. Paul Rudd gives a fantastic performance along with Ashling B, who plays his wife, Kate. And everybody, it is not a problem with performances that, that makes this show feel just a little lackluster. We get to see some fantastic range from Paul Rudd as he plays Miles. Let, let, me, let, me, let me just explain a little bit about the story in case you aren't aware of Living With Yourself. Essentially, Living With Yourself is an existential comedy about a man struggling in life who undergoes a new treatment to become a better person, only to find that he's been replaced by a new and improved version of himself. So essentially, he goes to a spa, and they clone him, and the clone is implanted with all of his memories and doesn't know that he's a clone, and OG Paul Rudd, aka Miles, is buried in a garbage bag in a national park. Kind of a cool premise, right? There's a lot of ethical dilemmas that one could see being explored here, and I think that is where the show falls flat, because it tepidly examines 
some of these ethical dilemmas without actually diving into them when it seems like these dilemmas should be central to the story itself. Ethical dilemmas like the apparent one about cloning, about lying to your spouse and literally having them live with what is effectively a stranger. Like, sure, clone Paul Rudd is Miles at his best and most earnest and most loving, but it's not really the Miles that she knew and fell in love with. There are... It's so frustrating because everyone does do exceptionally well. If it was if it, if it was the performances, I would feel I, I guess better because then I could I could at least say, hey, like so and so really sucked, and that's what brought the show down. It's just there's this strange X factor that is missing from living with yourself, and I personally I think that it is because they weren't as brave as I think they could have been. They they I think they ended up playing some choices safe, and I'm going to try to keep this as spoiler free as I can but I, I will I will effectively say that if you're looking for something fun where you can turn your brain off maybe keep checking Facebook or Twitter or Instagram on your phone while you loosely pay attention this show's good for that it's not a complete veg out show there is a little there is a very very well constructed arc in terms of its story and again everyone does a really fun job and you might miss a few of the little nuances but in the end I think that the material that they have here that they were working with begs to be examined with a little more tact perhaps is what i'm trying to say they're not careless the show is, the show is very smart and it is a truly progressive show in many respects and ashling b who is an actress and comedian from the uk is finally getting some work stateside and that's really cool because she deserves a lot more recognition she is very funny and also just very talented she brings a lot of earnestness and honesty to her role as well as paul rudd but like of course you already knew that and there's so many great supporting players that at least are getting some recognition in this. Desmond Borges comes to mind, Zoe Chow, Zach Cherry, who plays pretty much a disembodied voice for the entire show. He's just someone on the end of a phone line up until like one or two particular scenes. He's a complete joy too. Even Aaliyah Shawcat gets a nice little cameo that's a lot of fun and cool and great. I love me as some Aaliyah Shawcat. I, you know, ever since Arrested Development, she's just so cool. But I digress. What, I, what I'm trying to say is go into living with yourself with medium expectations. I personally think it's about a 6.5, maybe 7 out of 10. It does have a lot of heart and a lot of its themes do play out in a satisfying matter. But there were just there were just some ethical gray areas that I really wanted them to, you know, dive into, get a little muddy, get a little filthy in there. You know, you're talking about cloning. You're talking about lying to people. You know, you're talking about what, what makes a person. Is it just their memories or is it the experiences, the, the wear and tear that has been felt on the body? You know, I think this show has a fantastic opportunity. They set it up for a season two, which I, I don't know how I feel about it. It could, it, it could easily be a self-contained story, but they could also, they left that, that little door open as they do in fantastic Netflix fashion. They left that little door open so that if they want to do a season two, it's right there. It's easily achievable. I personally, I enjoyed my time watching. It. I don't know if I would revisit it unless there was a season two. 6.57 out of 10. There you go. I hope you enjoyed the Carpaccio. Uh, I'm sorry for the vegans that I didn't have anything other than wheat thins. Wheat thins are vegan, right? Oh God, I hope so. Anywho, that's that. Go watch Living With Yourself. Tell us what you think. At me on Twitter, Baby Got Knack. Come find me. Did you like it? Did you love it? Did you think it was the best show that's out on streaming services right now? Then fight
write me about it. I'm so excited. I'd love to hear your feedback because, you know, I'm not the end all be all. This is just my opinion. And I'm hoping that maybe it turns you on to something good. And if you love it, great. Do you want to know something that we don't know? Sure. Here comes some trivia. Here we go. Okay. Okay. All right, let's get into some trivia. Today we're going to do movie musical trivia because of cats. Cats! Ha! <laughs> All right, I'll go first. Is that okay? Yeah, go for it. What you got? Okay. Which Disney musical did Walt Disney consider his crowning achievement of his career? Song of the South, Mary Poppins, Snow White, or Sleeping Beauty? <laughs> You loaded this question. Because <laughs> we all know that Walt Disney, although a product of the times, was still an asshole. Yeah. Even for the times. Friends, you're going to get a little airplane interference in here. We're on the clock. I got to barrel yeah. through. There are too many goddamn trains, planes, and automobiles too going by. Many trains, planes, automobiles. What is the crowning achievement of Walt Disney's career, according to him? God, fuck. You need the list again? No, no, I I have two in my brain. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> Cause I, I know that he loved the performances in Song of the South. <laughs> he is on record saying, Oh yeah, those performances were brilliant. <laughs> he is. He actually talks about it. Um I am gonna go with Snow White though. I am going to hope against it's snow white yeah it is actually song of the now he's oh you don't it, it's mary poppins oh it's mary poppins yeah, 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 okay yeah, 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 yeah. there we go that's god. okay yeah so i was wrong entirely so oh god way to go imagine. walt at least you had a good head good enough head on your shoulders for that <laughs> okay ben are you uh, are you ready for this one yeah go for it the this movie musical was the last musical collaboration between rogers and hammerstein was it the king and i was it south pacific was it the sound of music or was it Oklahoma? And I say that because there's an exclamation mark at the end. <laughs> Hold on. You gave me King and I, Oklahoma. South Pacific? South Pacific. Or The Sound of Music. Man, I, I know these musicals pretty well. I don't, the problem is I don't know them chronologically. Um, I, I feel like The Sound of Music may have come out before. I, I'm going to go with, oh, I'm going to go with The Sound of Music. It is The Sound of Music. Okay, because yeah. I think that would be the last one. You out trust of their, your gut, babe. Their, uh, discography. You got it. Yeah. Sound of Music. Cool. You ready for your next one? Hit me with it. What you got? What year was The Prince of Egypt released? Oh, sure. 1995, 99, 98, or 2000? I'm going to go with 99. Your one year off is 98. 98? Fuck. Yeah, sir. I knew I was young still. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I thought I was old by 2000. Mm -hmm. Get out of here, Ian. Okay, good. That's good to know. Uh, so, Ben, mm -hmm. which of these movie musicals holds the record for the most Academy Award wins? Not nominations, but wins. Is it Guys and Dolls? Is it West Side Story? Is it Grease? Or is it My Fair Lady? Guys and Dolls, My Fair Lady, Grease. What was the third one? West Side Story? That one. It is West Side Story, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's really the only one that right, deserves yeah. the most wins, right, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, All right, you ready for your last one? Yeah, 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 yeah. Into the Woods. In... <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Into the Woods. Jesus, I did not write... I was so, like... <laughs> <laughs> crunching time here okay yeah, yeah um, hit me with it. in into the woods the movie musical what made meryl streep take the role of the witch she always loved the show they offered her a fat ass check her granddaughter loves the musical or she spoke with sondheim and the director rob marshall it's meryl streep she's going to talk with these people like what are you doing with this film uh-huh i'm gonna go with d yes it is d yeah exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. It's Meryl Streep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, do you want to be in this? Sure. We're going to sit down and we're going to have a long yeah. fucking talk yeah. about why I should be in this. About okay, what? you got it, Meryl. Yeah, let's make it happen. Yeah, yeah. All right, Ben. Mm-hmm. Ewan McGregor was not the first to be considered for his part in Moulin Rouge. Mm, damn, this Which is my of these actors <laughs> were not amongst the shortlist that producers wanted for the leading man? Not considered. Leonardo DiCaprio, Heath Ledger, Jake Gyllenhaal, or Brad Pitt? Jake Gyllenhaal. It was Brad Pitt was not considered. Okay. Both Dica- all DiCaprio, all the Ledger, and all the Gyllenhaal were wanted but not secured. Jake Gyllenhaal has a voice of an angel. He can actually sing. He was in a uh, remount of Sunday in the Park and when I tell you this man sound like Mandy Patinkin, I'm blown away. Uh, I, I blown don't away. doubt it. He is a multi-talented person that has been yeah. around for a long time for a good reason. Right. If you have any of these streaming uh, apps, uh, music apps like uh, Spotify Tidal, Apple Music, you do yourself a favor. If you love musicals, download that version of uh, Sunday in the Park with George, you will not be disappointed. And with that, let's all close it out. Gang, what another wonderful day in the neighborhood. We are back better than ever. We It's going a little long just because we had so much ground to cover, but yeah. we, we did it and we did it for you because we love sharing this stuff with you. We do. We really do. We are having a blast here. Um, and just so you guys understand where we are doing and what we're doing here towards the end of the year, there will be some time where I'm going to be back in Florida. We will have to be on another brief week hiatus. Sorry in advance, but... The- holidays you know there's a time when you see your family and stuff absolutely you know uh, you just do stuff so we'll be back um we're definitely gonna have for the next couple of weeks up until that point um you try to get as much content out as possible and then we're gonna be back better than ever refreshed for january to start a new year you know we had a lot of good things coming at to you uh but tell people what you're doing in tell people uh what you're up to and um you know how to find you gang i'm just working at a restaurant right hey. now i closed the show in november November, and I'm kicking chairs while I record this outro because you know what? That's what I do sometimes. Kicking chairs. I'm wild. I'm unchained. You Take can't, a name. can't hold me whoa, down. Whoa, whoa, Nelly. That's right. It's really good to be back. It's really good to have yep. my voice back. I don't know if you can tell. I've been I've been using it a lot this episode. I I you can find me on Twitter as Sir Yikes a lot at Baby Got Knack if you're looking for that at. You can find me on Facebook as Ian Mutiner. I'm out I'm out here writing. I'm trying to write a thoughtful critique of Frozen 2 for you. Because Mm-mm. boy, do I have some thoughts. Oh boy. But that's that's all I got going on right now. Ben, why don't you tell the folks where they can find you? How how, how can they reach out to you? Okay, so um, I will tell you that. I'll also tell you that I am doing a show at the Annoyance. Uh, it's just we have two more shows on Tuesday. Um, it's called The Christmas King, uh, <laughs> The Legend of the Christmas King. Please come out and see it and support it. It's pretty funny. It's a musical. I sing. If you want to hear me sing in it, um, it's goofy as hell. Uh, give you a brief synopsis is about um the, well the christmas king has passed away it's in the future it takes place in like 2055 and, and uh the person to take up the mantle after the santa claus is the christmas king he's the president of fucking christmas and he's a terrible person because he gives gifts to every house but he burns down the 14th house don't know how he works that out we'll find out anyway <laughs> that's drama for you that's folks drama. yeah yeah leaving you on the edge of your seats anyway you can find me yeah just go on to the annoyance website that's the annoyance you'll be able to look up our show and purchase tickets there if 
you want any discounts or anything like that, holla at your boy. I could help you out. You can holla at me on Twitter at btjenkins91. Um, and you can also holler at me at Facebook, Benjamin Timothy Jenkins. Um, you can also contact our email. That's the Too Many Flicks, Flicks email at toomanyflicks.chicago at gmail.com. That's the number two and an X at the end. And you can also contact us via social media at, at Too Many Flicks on any platform. All the plats. That's the number two and an X at the end. Please get in contact with us. We would love to hear your feedback. We would love to uh, hit you up. There's also Patreon. We have a Patreon. So many different tiers. You could pay as little as a dollar if you wanted to. We'll take anything. We love you. We just want to do this for you. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 We want to do this for you. If you enjoy this stuff, leave a leave a comment, leave a review on any of the podcasting stuff. Absolutely. It really helps a lot. But we are so glad and thankful for your continued support. And as we head into this new year, as we head into the end of a decade, mm-hmm. remember. Yeah. We remember that there's so much shit going on and you might not have the time, but don't worry about it because we got you because we're too many flicks and we watch all of the flicks so that you don't have to. You don't. It's in the, it's in, it's in our tagline. There's too many. It's-